0: Hello there and welcome to Gooner U, where there are no degrees because the learning never stops. I'm Dove, a TA here at Gooner U, and my friend Keith is our stalwart distinguished professor of Arsenal and football studies. This week featured Premier League match number four at home against Manchester United. Hello, Keith.
1: Hello, Dove. Have you, have you come down from the, <laughs>
0: the results? Oh, not yet. I, I watched it 24 hours shifted. It's still fresh for me. <laughs> <laughs> course our usual Monday night recording slot
1: that would be that would make yeah. sense. I it's I've I've done other subsequent things since then that have also been quite exciting, but we don't need to get into those here. That's not Ooh. that's not for the podcast. Um that's <laughs> for that's for another podcast we can do. Uh but no this is about uh this is about Arsenal and it's about beating Manchester United and I love I love when we do that. Oh yeah. I don't want to I mean, do it the way we did it but I no, love that we did. It.
0: Never again but yeah. Uh, only only if necessary. But yeah, so uh, before we get to that in due time, so uh, uh, one thing I wanted to talk about kind of tangentially related to last week. So um, I was watching Miami live last week, and it turned out I did again this week. But while I was watching live, so last week was the first time I had watched Miami playing um, in regular league competition rather than all the other matches I'd watched were since Messi came on, were during the league's cup. So there's only one League's Cup match going on at a time. Now that it's the regular season, when they're playing on the East Coast like they were, you have all these other games happening at the same time. So I put on the NYCFC match in split screen. So this is something that I'd never done before with Apple TV. So I had Miami was on one side of the screen and then smaller and off to the side was NYCFC. And you can swipe over to pick whichever one has the audio active at any point in time. Mm-hmm. Only one will have audio. And then I was like, hey, I, I wonder, because it'll let you do more of Vanessa I was wondering what it would be like. Who else would we want to watch? Well, Dallas is playing. And I, have, I have family in Dallas. So I was watching with my son. We, we put all three of them on. So we had Miami was big on the left side. And then we had NYCFC above and to the right and then down underneath it was Dallas and yeah it was cool you were able to make any one of them take up the full screen whenever you wanted and then shrink it back down when you're done you could switch over to the audio like if you saw like something happened you just wanted to hear what the commentators were saying you could switch over audio quickly it's it was pretty nice it was it was cool i, I don't imagine i will use it too many times probably but it worked well and i was i was impressed with it so
1: I recall ESPN Zap used to do that back in the day or at least when I used it online you could do multi-screen viewing it was really popular uh during college football cuz there's oh, so yeah. many of it. they have even they don't do as many of the staggered start times there's a lot more of common windows that everyone's playing and so you could pull up several games at once um I don't know if they still do that. Actually, I haven't really used their their app very much. Or when I mm-hmm. pull it up, it's because I have a particular game I want to watch. And I, right, I, I can check the score elsewhere. I don't need I don't need the the go split screen on that. Right. Um. Hmm. But that's uh yeah, it's always that's always an interesting thing. To, uh, the kind of overstimulation, right? Of getting more than yeah. one game at a time. Uh, <laughs> when it, was this? This was must have been last Wednesday, right? Or is it? Um, this is weekend.
0: I it could have been either. I don't remember anymore. But it was well, yeah. Uh, well, I'm only thinking because I'm pretty notes, sure. Yeah.
1: I'm pretty sure New York City's game was in the middle of the afternoon. I think I saw some of that. So
0: I um, feel like it was a weekend, but I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. They I, were playing Cincinnati. I remember they got won oh, by was, Cincinnati. Oh, that was, that was that, I think it was last weekend, actually. Right.
1: Yeah. right that was oh, like okay, two, thought, two
0: weeks ago, like two, oh, okay, two, two, okay. two match weeks ago.
1: <laughs> Maybe you just said that it wasn't paying attention. It happens. Now.
0: That's okay. I actually, while I was out and about today, I actually saw someone wearing a Cincinnati jersey so mm-hmm. Interesting. <laughs> there you go
1: <laughs> they they are they are i believe in first place in the league they are oh, a, okay. they're okay i did a not know the team uh yeah Ooh. the the knifey lions as they're sometimes called hmm. okay mostly because their logo is the lion holding a sword um and which, it
0: just kind of looks like nike or nike is you know, actually n- n-
1: no knife as in like oh knifey yes because <laughs> i don't know I said,
0: <laughs> Yeah completely it's a kind that. of a,
1: it is a, it is a goofy nickname but MLS is full of goofy nicknames
0: <laughs> So uh, a little bit of follow-up from past weeks. So uh, just also a reminder, um, if you are a Gooner U super fan, uh please click in the link in our description or uh, show notes if you would like to join. We we appreciate everyone who does. Uh, but if you are, then two episodes ago when we recorded, we did a little bonus segment that was after the outro. So you'll hear me say something like, thanks for joining us at Gooner U, right? And I go into my spiel thanking you for listening and reminding you about our sponsors and stuff. Well, after that was over... After you hear Keith say goodbye, stick around if you're a subscriber and sometimes love bonus content. So listen all the way through to the end. Um, So that's just a reminder for for everyone who has that. Don't want people to to miss what they're paying for. Um, Next question I had for you, which is we just kind of dragging out the follow up on the penalty kick rule a little bit more. You did repeat last week that it is a fairly new rule. Do you know how new it is? Um, according to the the uh, accurate Google search I just did,
1: uh, which does bring me, it brought me to the the Twitter page of the IFAB, who's the group that runs the, you know, the the laws of the game. Uh, uh, the the new change came at the beginning of the 2019-2020 season. So oh okay, June June twenty nineteen.
0: So when I said new, I mean, it's pretty new. Yeah. No, th- and that may sufficiently explain what the instructor for my coach training was talking about. That it affected this most recent men's and women's World Cups. That'd be the first ones that they would that it would have been in effect for. So, right, yeah. Cool. Um, the other thing, uh, defending myself a little bit in terms of why I, for some reason, thought that it was Fulham rather than Newcastle that had the vertical uh, white and black stripes for their jerseys is because of looking at their crest. Their crest has vertical white and black stripes. And so my mind jumped to, oh, this must be the team that has vertical white and black stripes all the time. But no, that that is Newcastle. And that that explains that. So,
1: yeah, although that has a delightfully tilted FFC, which I don't, but they have, which they have used for some time. That's not that new of a design, I think. So, kind of, (laughs) kind of interesting, but you know, it seems to work for them.
0: Yeah. Um, so you had mentioned we were complimenting uh, Fabio Vieira, uh, Pablo Vieira, as we call him sometimes on this show. Uh, we, we were complimenting him on his stellar performance in the last match. And I was just curious because you and others have been saying this is probably his best performance to date for Arsenal. When did he join Arsenal? Uh, he joined, uh, just confirming, yeah, last season. He, he was signed
1: oh, from okay. Porto, who's uh, one of the, the big clubs in Portugal. Uh, which makes sense. He's Portuguese. Uh, they signed him for Porto. So yeah, he has been here. This was, last year was his new season. or was his first season with Arsenal. So much like you, he is beginning his second. Right.
0: campaign. Right. I was going to say, we joined the club at the same time. <laughs> um, the other thing i want to check in on is we talked a lot about last time uh in the last episode we talked a lot about official tyranny uh the the ref that had ref for the last match i wanted to find out what's the deal with our unofficial Tierney, who's a member of the club um what is the deal with him we haven't seen him play so far of a season if i recall well there right? is
1: well i'll say there is, not yet there is there is no more official uh tyranny um Actually, we can throw there, we have a rather, uh, for, we mentioned this before, the transfer window has closed, at least in England, so um, a lot of deals were finalized oh, it, over the last couple of days, I think it was, officially it was Friday, I'm looking at a calendar, yeah, September 1st on the Friday was the last day, and uh, Tierney is one of several Arsenal players who made their way uh, out of the club. Uh, at least for the time being. Should, should we go the whole list now and then come back to other things later? Yeah,
0: yeah, we can, we can do that now. So let's let's cover the news. Uh, let's go talk about all, all right. the different transfers that finalized.
1: Yeah, so there are a lot. Um, so Fuller and Balogun, uh, the next great American, Hope, uh, who has been sort of talked talk about as a striker, did very well on loan last year in France. He has now been sold to Monaco, which is in the French League. It is not in France, of course. Monaco is technically an independent country. But he is now going to play for Monaco, who is in the French League, and a decent side in the French League. So um, it'll be curious to see, you know, for for Arsenal, I, on the one hand, you feel a little bad about giving up on, a, not giving up on, but selling a, a quality player of that age and, and that proven. But understandably, he's going to want much more playing time than he's probably going to earn at, at Arsenal. Sure. Um, the hope is, I think, that we have what's called a sell-on clause, that if Monaco decides to sell him down the line, that we would uh, get a chunk of that fee uh, as part of the agreement here. Um, but, uh, you know, it, it, I suppose in the future, there's an idea. Maybe he maybe he comes back to Arsenal, but uh, you never know. Uh, it's, it may well be the, the the last we've seen of Balogun as an Arsenal player. And mm-hmm. so, um, good luck to him. And I really hope that that next transfer does not take him to someone like Chelsea. Uh, it's just <laughs>
0: And we'll still see him in, uh, national team play in the U.S., so there's. I that. know. That, so that'll be, that'll be nice. <laughs> um, I know it
1: means the American presence at, at Arsenal is, is effectively gone with Turner out and right. out. So, uh, other, other names, uh, Rob Holding, uh, got it was sold to Crystal Palace in the Premier League. Uh, so good luck to him there. He'll obviously get more playing time with them than he will with, with, with Arsenal. Right. Uh, Marquinhos, who is a young Brazilian player that we saw uh, in a little bit in the Europa League last year, and not really—I don't think we saw him at all in, in, in any play in England—is uh, now been loaned to Nantes, which is in the French league. Uh, so again, he te- he is he is still an Arsenal player. They hold his con—we uh, still hold his contract—but he will play for Nantes, and at the end of the year, he comes back to us, and then we'll decide. Sort of where he stands. Is he is he improving? Do we want to work him in the lineup? Do we maybe loan him out again for more development? Or do we think ah we need to sell him? He's not gonna play for us. So mm-hmm. it sort of puts that decision off. Couple more loans. Uh Runar Alex Runerson, who is an Icelandic goalkeeper, uh is on loan to Cardiff City, which is in the championship, uh, the second division. Uh technically the club is in Wales, but in Cardiff, but they play in the English championship. Uh, Runerson was brought in a few years ago as a young Icelandic keeper um, hmm. a, a, uh, at the recommendation of Inyaki Kanya, who's the Arsenal keep goalkeeping coach uh, who's also the guy who recommended to bring in David Raya Runerson was not Raya Runerson did not did not play very well in his limited opportunities with Arsenal a couple seasons ago he's been loaned out again i suspect he is
0: not he will not play for Arsenal right again. Let me let me ask before I move on to the next item. So Mm -hmm. um, from his perspective, how do you imagine someone would feel in his position being on the roster of a Premier League team, but getting loaned out to a championship team? where he will probably be a starter, I imagine.
1: Yeah, so it it kind of well, in his case, maybe not. (laughs) Um, <laughs> okay, let's imagine he things, is. <laughs> it's a couple of th- well, it's a couple of things that play into why it is you you would you would go with the loan. In a lot of cases, you know, players and the and the club have very frank conversations with each other about like what their status is. He has probably been told you're not going to play for us. You're just not good enough. Um, it maybe not quite in those terms, but right. But effectively has been told that, and so from his perspective, sitting on the bench at Arsenal as a four fourth string keeper you know he wants to play and so uh, uh, it's being sold to another team and once you get told hey we will facilitate a sale go for it his agent is suddenly out there calling every club they can say hey you want my guy you want my guy you need a keeper do you want my guy um so there's a lot of work put in there i think part of the problem you run into and, and part of the reason he's being loaned to this other club is there probably weren't a lot of offers for him in terms of the money, so the loan is maybe the best we can do in terms of recouping some value for him. Maybe he goes there and plays well, and then we can sell him next year. Mm. Uh, maybe he goes there, plays well, and Cardiff wants to buy him. They, he becomes an integral part of their club. Or maybe he you know, just doesn't really do anything, and there's no guarantee that he's going to start for them. I don't know their keeper situation, so uh, who knows? Yeah. Maybe, they, maybe this is still a bit of a development opportunity for him. He's still theoretically young enough to do that. Um... Yeah, I suspect he's, I suspect he was loaned in part because we couldn't find a buyer, which is a lot, I think a lot of cases where you're seeing some of these loans. Again, you know, is he probably disappointed about being in the championship as opposed to the Premier League? Yes. But also, he wasn't playing in the Premier League mm-hmm. or any, he wasn't playing for Arsenal. He wasn't coming close to playing for Arsenal. So in terms of his career, this is, this is yeah. definitely a
0: better move. So who's next on the transfer roster? <laughs>
1: Well, the next is the big one. Uh, Karen Tierney, who we've sort of talked about really from the beginning of, in the end of last season, is a player who is probably on his way out. He is now officially on his way out. He is now on loan, uh, to Real Sociedad, which is a club in the, the northern part of Spain in San Sebastian, which, by the way, is the hometown of Mikel Arteta. So, uh-huh. <laughs> um, I have no idea if that played a role at all in, in what happened. It, it It is really a fascinating thing to see. I mean, Really, as early as the beginning of last season, we were talking about tyranny as an integral part to the team and, and what he does here. And then Zinchenko showed up and we've just, just completely forgotten about tyranny. And he's, he's kind of in a place now where he's, he's going to leave. I, he's a player. I know we tried to, clearly we were trying to sell all summer. Clearly it didn't work. Um, as I understand it, this is a loan. I don't remember for sure if this is the case, but it's possible this is a loan with an obligation to buy that is. And most of this deals with the accounting purposes. So officially he's on loan to Sociedad until the end of the season, at which point they will actually pay us an additional fee to buy him. Uh, but it has to do okay. with accounting and when money moves around and, and whatnot. Um, but on the other hand, this is a nice opportunity for him. Uh, San Sebastian is apparently a really nice town uh, on the north coast of Spain. Um and also Real Sociedad's a pretty decent club. He is actually there in the Champions League. So he's probably hmm. going to be playing in the Champions League. Oh, boy. Uh, which is more than he might have been able to say for us, all things considered. So, right. you know, I, it, it's disappointing to see him go. I totally understand why. Um, but good luck to him in uh, La Liga.
0: Yeah, it's going to be like uh, in Ted Lasso when uh, Jamie Tart starts playing against uh, <laughs> Richmond. <playing> against Richmond. <laughs>
1: Um, let's see what we've got. A couple more, uh, players loaned out. Albert sambi Lokonga, um, potentially midfielder of the future, has instead been loaned to Luton Town. Uh, currently they were a recently promoted team to the Premier League. Probably not staying up, at least not the way they played this season, but who knows? Maybe <laughs> he helped settle them down a bit. Um, really a player that never really worked out for us, unfortunately, it seems. Again, you're hoping for a buyer, didn't really materialize. So a loan, probably. Uh, probably prelude to actually leaving permanently, if not to loot somewhere else. Uh, similar, uh, this one's more of a developmental one. Arthur Okonkwo, another one of our keepers. We started the year with something like five keepers on the roster and you really don't need that. Uh, so Okonkwo has gone on loan to Wrexham, uh, which is now in League Two after having been promoted. Hmm. Any of you may remember Wrexham from Welcome to Wrexham. <laughs> um, right. that's uh, Ryan Reynolds and Rob McElhenney's club. Um, and then one last one, a, uh, a defensive player, defensive, a fullback, Nuno Tavares, uh, is on loan to Nottingham Forest in the Premier League. Tavares came in a couple, I want to say a couple of years ago, uh, you know, young player we hope to develop and sell and uh, hasn't really quite worked out or didn't really work out. Um, there was a sense that he didn't really fit quite what Arteta was doing. I don't think tactically he seemed to fit there tactically, but was a, Bit of a chaos agent, both on the field and potentially even in training, which is obviously not a great thing. Um, he's also a young guy, so maybe it's just a question of maturity, and you know, perhaps some time elsewhere allows him to gain more physical and other kinds of maturity as well. Do wish him the best at Forest, um, except when he plays us. So, um, but especially when Forest plays anyone else. So, <laughs> yeah. So, all right. That's yeah, great. Lot, and. And actually, I saw the story this morning. So the English transfer window closes September 1st, as it does for a couple other big countries. But there are a handful of countries where the window is still open for a few more weeks. And so um, the transfer window is still open with with Turkey. And according to a report in L'Equipe, which is the major French uh, sports uh, paper, uh, says that uh, the Turkish club Besiktas has a deal in place uh, for Nicolas Pepe, uh, who was out of favor before you started watching the team. He's actually, um, Arsenal's uh, until this summer, was Arsenal's highest ever transfer fee was paid for him. We paid uh, Lille, uh, his French team, 72 million pounds, hmm. which was a record for the club. That was an overpay. We kind of knew it was an overpay at the time. A nice player, does a lot of things really well doesn't really quite fit with what Arteta wants to do. Hmm. We've been trying to sell him for some time, but he's paid a substantial amount of money, and most clubs don't want to pay that. And so chances are it's a, going to be a fairly nominal fee uh, basically just to get his contract off our books. Um, right. Not so much okay. in terms of paying it, but really in terms of accounting purposes and how that counts for our balance sheet. Um, I don't know that that's necessarily true. Again, that's the keep, which is pretty good with these things. Um... You know, obviously, in his case, I hope it works out because I think he, he I, I like him as a player and I think he deserves a chance to play somewhere. And again, it just wasn't going to happen here. So.
0: So um, as far as England's transfer window closing, that means we can't transfer new players in, but we're OK transferring players out. Correct. Uh, okay. there are a couple countries are still we could sell
1: to. Uh, the big one is Saudi Arabia is still open. Um, there's a whole saga going on, apparently, where they keep pressuring Liverpool to sell them, uh, Mohamed Salah. Uh, oh, wow. Their, their, their striker, because Salah is, is Egyptian. He's Arabic. And, sure. Um, so, and, and, and a Muslim. So to pra- so to pra- have him play, in some ways, he's bigger in Saudi Arabia right. than even a player like, than a player, even, not necessarily Ronaldo, because that's a different thing, but certainly a bigger, much bigger name. And it's still a player who, certainly on, on, on the back end of his career, it, you know, is probably coming down from a peak. It's still really good. Yeah. So that would be a real get for. But it's. I mean, Liverpool doesn't want to sell. I mean, who knows what Salah wants out of all of this? Right. Um, He's won a ton Hmm. of stuff. He's won just about everything you can win at Liverpool. So you know, it's not the craziest thing in the world. But also, he's still playing for Liverpool, which is a much, much more prominent place than to play in uh, whichever Saudi club
0: he would be joining. So. Mm -hmm. All right. Well, if that's it for transfers, uh, what other news is going on? Uh, we had two draws last week. Not ties, <laughs> but uh, draws Not for ties, competition. which can also be another word for a match. <laughs> yes. um,
1: yeah. God, I love the English language. Um, yeah, so we had two draws for other outside competitions. One we had mentioned last week, uh, the Champions League. I'll get to that in a second. The other one i totally forgotten about uh, was the League Cup. We had the, our draw for the League Cup or the Carabao Cup, if you prefer to stick with the sponsor. Uh, We join in the third round, as all teams in European competition do, and we are going to Brentford. Um, it's not ideal. And as a premier, you know, if you're getting, if you want to draw for the, the league, you know, the league cup, especially, especially a club like Arsenal, we tend to treat it as a youth cup. You'd kind of like to see maybe a second division team not away to another premier league team, but you know, maybe, I mean, Brentford may also treat this a little bit like a, a chance to rotate in some of their younger players I, and then again you know it, even if they don't well let's i mean you know some of our our quote-unquote younger players i mean we're talking about guys like emil smith rowe who haven't played this year potentially so yeah.
0: um so remind be, me i know strong. we only made it into the first round last year who was that against that we were uh, eliminated? that was
1: ah uh, that was brighton that was the brighton, brighton okay. game that doesn't really exist because it wasn't on television anyway right um <laughs> I have no idea about TV for this one or anything like that, uh, but we're in the, we're the, we start in the third round. They stagger the entrance. So because we're in European competition, like last year, we get start in the third round.
0: Okay. Well, more to follow on
1: that, surely. Mm -hmm. Yep. Uh, That'll be late September. I think the last week of September is when that game will be. Uh, And then the real fun one, we're back in the Champions League. (laughs) Uh, Had a draw for our Champions League group. And to be honest, this went about as well as you could want. Uh, we okay. drew, we drew Sevilla, uh, out of Spain, uh, PSV Eindhoven, who you may remember from the Europa League last year. And yeah, then we drew, and then we drew, I think it's pronounced Lens or Lens. I don't know. It's French. L-E-N-S, <laughs> Lens, um, is our group. So in terms of favorability, walk through the, walk you through this quickly a little bit. Um, the draw for the group is done. I don't I I'm going to guess, I'm going to ask this, but I'm pretty sure the answer, I, I did you actually watch any of the draw at all? Nope. <laughs> I, yeah, it was like the middle of the day. So even I was, yeah. playing, so, you know, it, it, it makes sense. So you know, I
0: honestly, I had looked for where it would be happening the night before and I couldn't find it. I thought you'd said it would be on Paramount Plus, or at least I assumed that because they have all the Champions League stuff. And I couldn't find where it was going to be. I don't think. So.
1: I honestly, every time I end up watching it, it usually ends up being streamed like through the through like UEFA's Twitter feed. Okay. Like, nope. I mean, it's it's Next televised in Europe. <laughs> it's televised in Europe, but they ha- they'll they'll run the live stream, you know, for people mm-hmm. who aren't in the country um, through that. So. When you get to the group stage, what they do is there there are 32 teams into eight groups of four, sort of similar to the Europa League. Uh, but in this case, we're divided up into pots, uh, one, two, three, and four. It used to be, this was until very recently, uh, that your place in the pot was entirely what was called your coefficient, which is basically this ranking system, this number that UEFA gave all the clubs based on how well they had done in European competitions over the last several years. They changed it a couple of years ago, where pot one actually contains uh the defending champion, the uh the winner of the Europa League, and then the champions of the next six best leagues. Hmm. Now in this case, there's actually seven best leagues because the champion the winner of the champions league was Manchester City, who also was the champion of the English Premier League, which right. is definitely one of the ones, and they're ranked by the uh the quality of the league. So in this case, um, let me see if I can find the the, the pots here. But I mean, in England, Spain, Germany, France, um, Italy are are in that pot. Also, Portugal and the Netherlands and uh, their champions were in there.
0: Now, um, just so I'm clear, pots are another word for the groups, or it's an orthogonal separate organization. It's a different set of things. So okay. the pot is.
1: So basically, this is all done with ping pong balls, right? So the pot is. We put eight ping pong balls in there and they draw them out. And each one of those eight teams is placed in a different group.
0: Ah, okay.
1: And then they'll go to pot, they'll draw, and then they'll go to pot two and they'll draw each of those teams out. And that's going to okay. be ranked by your coefe- coefficient. And then you go to pot three and then pot four. So the
0: goal is that each group has a balanced list a of rough teams. Ba- a, roughly ba- yeah, a roughly balanced list yeah. of
1: teams. Again, you know, just, just for the ratings me here, Manchester City's UEFA coefficient is 145, which makes sense. They won it last year. They've gone deep in the competition. The next biggest number is Bayern Munich, who's at... Or that I, uh, yeah, Bayern Munich is on here. They're at 136. Real Madrid okay. was in our pot They're one 121. Arsenal's number coming into the season was 76. Now, that's not a reflection on the current state of the club. Again, it just comes from right. how many... You know, basically how we've done it and the fact how we've done in european competition in previous years we were in the europa league minus the one year where we got no points because we weren't in europe and i mean we got we did not go terribly deep in the europa league all those years which is why a club like newcastle is very good they're way down in pot four their coefficient is um, what's weirdly specific 21.914 21 um <laughs> right Compared to again, our seventy six Manchester right. United's one hundred and four and Manchester City's one forty five. Um, for us, we drew the Europa League winners, who are um, certainly the, they're from, Sevilla's from Spain, but they're definitely the weakest of the 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 big con- one of the weakest of the big country clubs. We're going to get apparently they have not started very well in Spain. Uh, we drew PSV Eindhoven, who's it looks like in the bottom half of Pot three and is a team that we know relatively well having played them last year right and then the last one was lens who is actually the lowest rated team in the competition their coefficient is 12.232 okay so the as far as groups go you know in terms of you really you look towards who's your pot one team we avoided barcelona we avoided Bayern munich we avoided paris center man that's all good so yeah to get Sevilla, you know, Sevilla is dangerous in Europe, but, you know, that's about as favorable as you could ask for. This is a group we should feel confident about having a really good shot at winning. Right. Uh, who, sh- who should not feel confident is Newcastle, Uh-oh. who drew an absolutely bonkers group of Paris Saint-Germain, Borussia Dortmund, traditionally the second best team in Germany, and AC Milan, who's a powerful Italian team, who's won this competition several times. Yeah. That group is going to be insane. Right. And I'm just, gl- and I think it's hilarious. Uh, <laughs> so good luck. I mean, you know, honestly, the Newcastle's an interesting team. They could come out of that. I mean, a really good, a really good team is going to be knocked out of the competition altogether because they finished fourth.
0: No matter so what. We'll, yeah. We'll,
1: yeah. So we'll see. Um, the, yeah, the top two will advance to the knockout stages. Uh, the third place team will go in, bet down into the Europa League.
0: Okay, uh, right, and
1: have to and join in the knockout competition there in the next calendar year, and then the fourth place team is eliminated. We should yep. we have every reason to believe we should be we should finish in the top two. And I think we have a, I, I think we have a real reason to believe we are we could be favored to win this group. Um, right.
0: So a couple of questions, just as a reminder. Mm-hmm. So then, when you place in number one compared to number two in your group, that gives you an advantage as far as who you play against in the next round, or it doesn't really matter.
1: Yes. Winning the winner. So basically what it'll be, and we'll see this, uh, we can talk, hopefully we should be talking about this come, come <laughs> February, come, well, probably December, which is when they actually have the draw, but then February when they play. All the group winners will be in one pot. All of the runner-ups will be in the other one. And then you'll play based on that. Now right. there are some rules, like you can't, you can't be at least through the group stage and into the next round, at least the, not round of 16, you can't be matched up with a country either from your group or from your same country. So we won't okay. we were never going to draw city as our pot 1. We were ne- we were never going to draw Newcastle. We won't draw United. I you know, for whoever goes to the knockout stage will be drawn from anybody else.
0: Sure. And then the other thing I'm just a little foggy on, I I remember playing against PSV, but they weren't in our group, right? We played against them and they're the ones who knocked us out, right? No, that was, that was, Oh, it was Portugal. It was, was, yeah,
1: it was, and it was uh PSV was in our group. We beat them. Oh, they were in in our group. Okay. Yeah. They were the team that beat us. We beat them in the Emirates, but lost them in Eindhoven. So they are no joke. They're, we know, we know they're a good team, but the fact that we know them and have that extra year under our belts, you know, European competition is a bit different. It it's it's a bit uh it's a bit trickier to play in those European European games. And so to get a matchup against a club we already know is is gonna be really helpful to us. It adds that familiarity. Um, you know, uh we yeah, you know, we've been to the Philips Stadion, we've we've now played this team, as opposed to sure. Lens and Sevilla, who are gonna be very different and new and different for us.
0: Yeah. Cool. All right, well that's that's good. Something to look forward to. Uh, when does our European play start? Uh, our
1: date, they came out with the dates, uh, September 20th. September okay. 20th is uh, the first game. We'll be home to PSV, so, and then we're right. off to the races, and then the last game is December 12th. That's the group stage, and I believe the draw for the next round is, uh, comes after that, but I don't... Uh, All right. Well, we'll worry about that when it comes closer. (laughs) Yeah. We'll worry about that when it's actually, yeah, the draw is December 18th. So by December, we should, we'll know more.
0: All right. So let's briefly take a quick diversion into the messy room. And just to fully explain the concept of the messy room, it is a play on words because his name is Messy in. I guess Spanish. That's not yeah. the spelling of it is not a particularly Spanish last name or whatever. It's an Argentine player's last name named Lionel Messi and Messi with a Y at the end is also an English word, meaning something that is a mess. So the messy room. Yeah, whatever. Okay. So, <laughs> so uh, this week, not too much to talk about. Um I did watch their LA Galaxy match last night live with my son. We missed a little bit of it, but watched most of it live um we actually cut away to it was in the beginning of the first half it was like maybe 12 minutes in or so when we started watching and we'd start watching i was like oh wait we didn't watch the highlights of the match that we missed from midweek so we cut away from the live match to watch the highlights it was only like a five or six minute highlight package that apple tv plus offered for that we watched that then we came back and i was watching it live i was like Oh, we missed a goal. Okay. <laughs> so I rewound it to watch the goal and then we caught back up to live <laughs> and watched the rest of it that way. So, that was that was kind of fun, but um but yeah, it was, it was it was a good match. Uh Messi did not score. He assisted in at least one of the goals, um but uh it was a, it's it's good. I'm happy when I see others scoring for them, you know, it's it's good when they're not solely relying on him cuz that's a pretty scary place to be in. If you really only need him. So,
1: yeah, I mean, Miami's unbeaten since he joined them, which is pretty right. wild, given how abjectly terrible they were before he showed up. Right. Um, I mean, they've made they added a couple other players. They got a new coach, uh, an experienced hand. So it's not yeah. it's not entirely him. But I mean, well, frankly, Tata Martino's not coaching them if he's not there. Some of the other guys they sign aren't there if he's not playing. So, right. It is really it really is him.
0: Sure. Um Yeah. So there, yeah, there was there was something that you know you wanted to talk about. It was a, a list that you saw on Twitter. Well, so this actually
1: popped up. Um, the The headline I saw on the Athletic was Prince Harry see goes to see um goes to see Messi in in L A. They were playing L A F C. It's in it's in Los Angeles. A lot of people there. I that's where apparently he lives. Uh, I guess in Southern California. So he was at the game. Makes sense. I mean, he's a yep. big fan, a soccer fan, obviously. And then they mention here they had uh the the athletics uh, Twitter feed or I don't know X feed I don't know how we're doing that um uh, yeah we, we can we can say that for
0: later <laughs> I, the I athletics Twitter yeah
1: <laughs> the athletics feed had it sent out it included a picture of uh the LAFC's communications department listed the notable attendees who showed up to the game and uh, there were a lot of them yeah, there were a lot yes. quite 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 a few uh, names I mean he's uh, you know. The, the prince there is obviously a big one, but, um, just flipping through here, LeBron James, um, uh, Will Ferrell was there, but he's a part owner of the, of LAFC. So that's not surprising. Oh, okay. Um, as, as is magic Johnson. Hmm. Um, but a few other, a few other big actors, a few big names from LA teams, collectors, uh, Jason Sudeikis and Brendan hunt. So Ted Lasso and coach beard were there. <laughs> we know they're big soccer fans, especially yeah. beard. Um, I mean I, obviously I I well, I assume you will send this link in the in the show notes as yes. well. Um just I, yeah a few names you recognize Le- Leonardo DiCaprio was there, uh Tom yeah. Holland, Spider-Man. Right. Um actually yeah, Toby Maguire, other Spider-Man was also there. <laughs> um I'm sure they pointed at each other.
0: Uh
1: and Norton uh I love how, I love that Rage Against the Machine was in there. Not as an individual <laughs> but just Rage Against the Machine. the band was there. Um
0: so, yeah, so, yeah, I, yeah. So, yeah I, I did watch the match. I did miss parts of it, and maybe they showed some of these people when I wasn't watching. The ones that I saw was Will Farrell, which I guess makes sense if you're saying he's an owner. I'm sure they show him every, every, every game. I'm sure he's there. Um, I definitely saw Selena Gomez and whoever Tyga is, who the commentator said was there with her. <laughs> okay. Um, And, yeah, Prince Harry. They showed Prince Harry a lot.
1: Yeah. So. You know yeah. the stars. Are, I mean, it's L.A. They always draw star. They always draw celebrities. But I mean, especially Messi, and you know, I get it. Sure. And, I mean, and a lot of those guys, especially the other athletes, are are pretty well known as being soccer fans. Yeah. Um, it's definitely oh. a you know, there's a lot of cross sport love for a lot of these guys.
0: Ed Norton, uh, we'd seen Ed Norton too, and. Okay, yeah. uh, that, that's kind of funny. Like just noting that we had Toby Maguire and Ed Norton and Tom Holland all there. Like at some point, maybe like while Arsenal's not playing, like in the off season next year or something, we've got to do a football fan draft like me and you like see how many of these notable even we could even limit it to superheroes because there's enough (laughs) who have played superheroes that we could form our own like league of superhero actors (laughs) or Mm. something that'd be fun (laughs) maybe for super fans we can do that at some point (laughs) uh but yeah cool so um Let's take a quick time out before we talk about the Manchester United match to have a word from our sponsor, Zencaster. So Zencaster is a platform that we use to record our show every week. Uh, we just open it up in Chrome. I open it up then Keith does, he joins, we click record that's it. Zencaster takes care of everything else, records the files on both ends, uploads them when we're done and as we're recording, which is really cool. So it doesn't take a long time when we're done. And I do the video post-production there too, where I just tell it what I want the video to, how I want it to be shaped that I want us and, uh, a vertically divided, um, side by side layout and that I want our faces centered and it takes care of everything. I download it and that's what I'm able to, to post to YouTube. So that's, uh, that's how we use it. And of course, uh, one of its benefits is that it is so easy to use, right? So. Oh. <laughs> Switching my scenes. Lights went out for a minute. It is now super easy to record a podcast with Zencaster. Log in using your browser and start recording a high-quality podcast right away. Record studio-quality sound and up to 4K video with your guests. Feel a sense of Zen, knowing Zencaster's multi-layered backups ensure you always have your recordings in the highest quality even when the connection is unstable. It is an all-in-one solution. So if you have ever thought about podcasting before and thought you needed a lot of different tools and services and you found that intimidating, those days are over. With ZenCaster's all-in-one podcasting platform, you can create your podcast all in one place and sh- distribute to Spotify, Apple, and other major destinations. It's very easy. So I want you right now, go to zencastercom slash pricing and use our code Gooner, and you'll get 30% off your first month of any ZenCaster plan, any paid plan. So it's code GUNER, Gooner G-O-O-N-E-R know you and Gunnar, and you'll get 30% off your first month. I want you to have the same easy experiences that we do for all of our podcasting and content needs, and it's time for you to share your story. So Manchester United, this was an interesting and uncomfortably at times dramatic match to watch. So, of course, as as I tend to do, you want to talk about the the kits first. um Manchester United's kit they were
1: wearing. <laughs> yeah, we uh, that what did drew you think a lot. Of it? Of, that drew a lot of comment. Um, <laughs> it it well. First, we were like, are we played Newcastle. What's right? On? I mean, we knew we. I mean, we, we a lot of people had seen it. We knew what it was. I um, have it's, it's not. I mean, it, it is not black. It was actually a very dark green. Right. Um, I guess it's it falls into the category of. And I think I may have said this about a few of our Arsenal's before. Like, it's not a bad kit, but it doesn't feel very Manchester United. Yeah, like they tend to wear as their second kits tend to be white or black, or uh, they wear or they wear a blue sometimes. Like they'll and they'll do some interesting things with different designs and colors. But I don't know, the green just doesn't feel, especially that dark green with the vertical stripes. Didn't it didn't feel Manchester United to me? Um, yeah. Make of that what you will. I, you know, I, I don't know how. I, I don't know how they. I'm not quite sure how they feel about it necessarily. But um, yeah, it was it was fine. Yeah,
0: um, I I didn't like it. I thought it was ugly and obnoxious. And I I, I have a visceral dislike for hoops on socks, hmm. especially on the socks. I think I don't like it necessarily on the jerseys either, but especially on the socks. And especially like. Horizontal stripes on the socks with vertical stripes on the jerseys is also just kind of weird, too. That is a a bit jarring, but you are wrong about hoops on socks. Hoops on socks are awesome. Ah. (laughs) Looks like elves. I I just think of like elves when I see that. I don't know why. (laughs) So so the first half, uh, I, I was really annoyed when they scored the first goal. Yeah, I it, it's it's so fascinating to watch because they
1: Manchester United spends a ton of money. They have some talent on their team, but then you watch them play and they're just not very good. It, it was is it interesting to watch. So one of the one of the recent signings they had this summer was their keeper uh, Onana. Uh, one of the things he does really well is play with the ball at his feet. And so you saw they're trying to, you know, we call building out of the back, like Arsenal does with, with Ramsdale and others where the keeper has it as playing it through the, ba- the defenders so they can push forward. And you saw in a lot of ways that they were kind of just sort of passing it back and forth to each other at times. Now, some of that, I think I heard some speculation on this score is the United's expectation was that we would press high, which is not unusual for us, that our, our forwards would be playing up into them and that would create spaces that they could pass forward into but we didn't do that we were dropping back we were essentially get letting them sort of play back and forth and it was interesting i they still feel a lot like a team in transition because they would flash over to uh ten hag who's the the united manager and i felt like every time they looked at him he was grimacing and shaking his head just <laughs> like like they were <laughs> clearly he was expecting something to happen and it wasn't happening um and we were content and i think that's actually a really uh, and that was i think an interesting for us was to be Content Because they were clearly sitting back. You saw when we were in possession and attacking how many men they had back. We're going to have to break down boxes like that. That's just outside of city and maybe one or two other teams that really want to play open. That's kind of what we're going to see a lot of. Um, Mm -hmm. But it does set us up. And we saw this when we played them last year, especially at Old Trafford. But even at the the reverse game here at the Emirates. You saw it. you. You have a mistake, a breakdown, and they come the other way. And and you know they have some. They have some skill in the team. Marcus Rashford is one of those guys. He's a he's a really nice player. He can score goals, and he he got some space. And he scored a goal. I, a lot of people are kind of throwing it at, at Kai Havertz, who has the turnover in midfield. But honestly, I think that one's on the defenders. If they, I probably I'd say Ben White. You got to step up on on Rashford. You cannot let him give him that space to move around and cut across. It's a it's a good shot. Ramsdale gets a hand on it, but still it's a, it's a really good shot, but he, he shouldn't be able to take it that easily, especially he had, he had coverage. He had another defender. I think that was Saliba behind him. He's got to step up and, and prevent yeah. that chance. Uh, and that's just, but, but then we took it all right back. It just completely moved yeah. the
0: other way. Yeah. The pendulum um, swung. Oh
1: <laughs> uh, yeah. And, and what, I mean, and it's, Odegaard finishes it that one timer, uh, you know, that's a hockey term. The one timer it comes in, you just swing through it and, and scores. But you could see him as they're coming down that wing. It, it, you can actually, if you've watched the highlights, I don't know if you've watched the highlights, but as you as you watch them come down the wing, Odegaard is there in the center of the field, just like clearly waving <laughs> no. that he's wide open. That, the man. ball gets to him, and and, yeah. and he just he buries it, and just an excellent. Um, just an excellent finish and just completely like whatever bad feeling you might have had from giving up the early goal boom yep yeah, it's right back and uh, and at that point uh, you know th- there was a sense before the goal i think this was my sense that we were pressing forward we were the ones creating the opportunities after that really as you start to see it was uh you know we we were definitely sitting back more united actually i think i think we finished with more possession but United had a lot at, at one point definitely had more possession than we did because, but it was a lot of that empty possession just sort of passing the ball around the back. Yeah. Um, and it came to, and it, you know, it came to nothing, I, but I thought we played pretty well there.
0: Yeah, definitely. Um, I guess one other thing from the first half that I wanted to get your thoughts on was, so in the 40th minute, Saka got a yellow card and this was an interesting one that I think was a bad call. And I'm almost surprised didn't get, turned over i don't know if i guess maybe there wasn't var review i'm not sure but but basically he was fouled he was knocked over and in falling i guess he kicked his foot out and who's to say if that was intentional or trying to recover balance or whatever but he only ended up hitting his studs into the other player a little bit after he had been knocked down how is that a yellow card against him and and nothing against the other players involved so, so I'll, I'll use this as a, a launch point to talk about officiating, but it's good this time. I, overall,
1: I have my complaints about the way the game was officiated, but actually I think, and, and this has been echoed in a lot of other places outside of United fans, but for reasons we'll talk about later, they can, they, they can stick their complaints somewhere else. Uh, overall, I thought the official got the big decisions right. I mean I understand the frustration cuz yeah Saka is going to ground he's clearly fouled and there was a foul called there but also I mean you don't lightly scrape the studs I mean if the studs go on somebody that's not cool and I you know yeah is it partly cuz he's falling to the ground sure but that's kind of careless I mean the really the big part is he he does it to Bruno Fernandes who's a player that well, you're not happy to see anybody get hurt, but
0: well, I don't
1: know.
0: Um, <laughs> so you're saying Saka kind of felt he deserved it? Is no, that no? <laughs> it's no, I'm just
1: saying as fans, we don't necessarily fear so bad, but maybe, we, yeah. maybe we shouldn't talk about Bruno. Um,
0: <laughs> no, no. <laughs> uh, I
1: will, I will say though, it, the, the one, if there's a, if there's a play that bothered me, and I know you, you saw this one's right before that, that ball came, you know, that came the other way. Uh, Lindelof and and Nketiah comes together. Lindelof gets a yellow, and then you watch the replay. I mean, it was a tackle, and you know he's dangerously close to being the last man. He's too. There's a defender covering. He's far on the sidelines. But if you watch, I mean, his boot goes up high. He essentially kicks Nketiah in the face. He's very lucky that wasn't a red, right? And I was a we were. I mean, granted, obviously, I am we're a very pro Arsenal crowd. We were, ne- we were pretty upset about that. That, uh, that could have been, that could have been what they call the orange card. Like, mm, yeah, we kicked him in the head. That's uh a-
0: so I didn't see that he got it in the head. I, I must have missed that on replay, but from yeah. what the commentators were saying, it sounded like because that was the one he was all the way on the sideline, like he was almost right. like touching the touchline. Right. So yeah. that's what. They were saying, "Let." Basically, they were saying there's two main reasons that you would call a red card. Denial of an obvious goal scoring opportunity doesn't apply in that case because he's at the touchline. They were saying, so that leaves the, the possible. Li- yeah. yeah, he's at
1: the touchline and he's in there, and they were far enough away from the goal that like, yeah. it, there were there was a defender covering. He's not the last defender, so right. yeah, it's not dog. So it's it's yeah. definitely a. Uh,
0: but so, so then that leaves open the possibility of endangering players safety, which mm-hmm. it seems a case could definitely be made for that in this case. I mean,
1: I mean, he kicked him in the head. I mean, that
0: kind of says right. it all right there, doesn't it? Right. Um,
1: I mean, you, you mentioned it and it's, it's worth pointing out in all these contexts here. So talk about VAR, VAR isn't applied to general yellow cards. Like we saw with Tomiyasu a couple yep. weeks ago, right? He, you know, he, he picked up, well, essentially the second one was a, frankly ridiculous yellow card yeah, um but you yeah. can't you can't review that the only time you can review a yellow is if the var calls down and says actually i think that should be a red okay. so because red cards are what is reviewable so if it's just a uh, run of the mill yellow vr looks and goes it's not a re- it's definitely not a red so we're not looking at it so um, did they review I, this
0: one then cuz it sounds like they maybe should I, have
1: i i you know i it didn't look like it to me i don't recall that there was any any yeah. check on that um Huh. I don't remember there being a check on that. So, but yeah, it would have to be in a case where he was, it would have to be in a case where they thought it maybe should have been a red and that's when they would have VAR. Otherwise they'd be v- videoing everything and that's, it's already right a lot as is. Yeah. Yep.
0: Yellows generally don't. That makes sense. So, yeah. So, you know, that was pretty much it before the first half ended one, one, um, Then we had a couple. Yeah. I say speaking of refereeing controversies. (laughs) Yeah. So, right. That was kind of the theme of the second half is two major reversals (laughs) from VAR Mm. that ended up really changing the feel of the second half. So the first was a penalty that was called in our favor that ended up getting called back. Did you did you see the the nuance there? Because I I kind of missed why it was called back.
1: Yeah. So so Kai Havertz splits two defenders, goes down on the box. The referee immediately points to the spot. That's a penalty. Uh on replay, basically there's minimal contact. In fact, the contact that really comes comes was as Havertz goes through. He's as he's swinging his leg back, he clips he more. He more clips Juan Bissaka than Juan uh. Bissaka clips him, and so he goes down. The contact was minimal. That one kind of falls under the rubric of if it was called against us, how would I respond? Actually, honestly, Arsenal saw that a couple of years ago. David Luiz was given, because he was the last defender, a penalty and a red card for basically being clipped by the player's backswing.
0: Oh, interesting. Um,
1: Oh, we, we had thoughts about that. We still have thoughts about that. Obviously I want a penalty, But I think in the end that was really the right call. um, And I guess we're lucky
0: that nothing was called against Kai Havertz for that. Maybe.
1: Yeah, I I suppose there's a world maybe where it's a dive, but I don't. I don't think he dies. I think he goes down honestly. Like I don't. I don't think he. If anything, maybe he tripped himself. But I I don't think he. I don't think it was an embellished fall. I think he goes. I think he. You know, he trips in some way or fashion. So I. Yeah, I mean. A yellow for embellishment would be very harsh
0: there. Um, Yeah. So I guess maybe I missed... So the backswing you were talking about was still the defending player that that was called against? Uh, Yeah.
1: So David Luiz was a a defender for Arsenal. The player swung back, and as his leg went back, he clips Luiz's knee and went down, and that was a penalty and a red card. Oh, okay. Um, Got it. Yeah, that was... uh, We're still angry about that. But anyway... (laughs) um,
0: just take a deep breath let it go
1: but that leads us to uh, right i mean it's so many of these things fall into that category we'll talk about consistency they fall into the category of well you've seen it given before
0: yeah by a different official (laughs) right
1: different official different circumstance different game different angle all these different things i mean that was a v that was a var too they stared at that one for a long time um i i think ultimately this is more fair that in the end that yes i would of course have taken the penalty but Right. That was probably the right decision there. As was the one that came next.
0: Yeah. So yeah, it was it was a side so we had the possibility of a penalty tantalizingly dangled in front of us at the 60th minute. Not too much happened. We had one or two chances between them that we failed to convert, but it wasn't until almost the end of regulation time when Garnacho breaks free ramsdale is like scrambling to get back and do what he can but under those circumstances there's not much he really can do and garnacho gets it past them like it was a good shot on his part and, and then came the var review. And VAR was there and he was offside
1: the lines yeah. were drawn it was i mean it's a close one it was close, and if you look yeah and if you look you see gabrielle i mean it, it, you can clearly see him like holding himself up to pull back but it worked i mean yeah interesting i missed that what what, yeah watch him again yeah gabriel's the one they're measuring against because saliba's saliba's actually a little for uh, saliba's actually not the last defender even though he's the closest one to garnacho it's it's gabriel yeah i mean he definitely you can see him almost like stopping short oh interesting Uh, so he played him offside oh yeah. yeah and it's close and and you know the manchester united manager ten hag was was complaining about some calls after the game including this one in particular ten hag is wrong they drew the lines nope. uh, the way they're drawn now and they, you know they talk about the angles of the cameras no 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 we 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 fixed that we know they know how to right. do that the, lines, the lines
0: were not drawn orthogonally to the camera. They were drawn in proper perspective. I saw that because exactly. I was concerned. So, yeah. the camera angle was not straight, but the lines were. Right? Lot,
1: yeah, the way they draw the lines, they, it, and that's and that was been fixed since this was, was first introduced a couple of years ago. So yeah, he, he, Ten Hag is wrong. He was offside, and I, and that would have been. I mean, it was a gut punch in part because United was not good. I mean. Uh, Arsenal has still has some weaknesses. I wouldn't say this was a great performance from Arsenal. No. I thought we we're still sort of struggling to find that gear that we had especially in the early part of last season. Um and you know, on some level Deserves got nothing to do with it, but <laughs> yeah, they that would have been that would have been an unfair result. So, it, you know, good. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> At the end of the day, good, which of course set us up for uh, the big moment.
0: Yeah. So this is one of those times that we appreciate the handling of stoppage time this season. <laughs> in If this exact match had happened under last year's officiation regime, there's a good chance it ends in that 1-1 draw, probably. Um, but in the 96th minute, we had a really strong like Banging shot from Odegaard that got pushed, I think, up and over. It got deflected a little bit and went wide mm-hmm. of the goal in one direction or another, which led to a corner kick that Declan Rice managed to ping his, his way into the goal. It hit off of yeah. two different uh, defending players from from United, and and he. Caught it. That was, so that was, that was his first goal, they said, right? Yeah, With first Arsenal. goal,
1: first goal as an Arsenal player. Yeah. yeah. I mean, he, he gets the, sh- he gets it in, um, you know, the, the corner. And that was like, I think our 12th corner of the game, I think yeah. they said. I mean, we, we, we had a lot, which is, we you know, did. again, again, sort of indicative of the kind of pressure we were putting on them. Um, and yeah, well, and, he, it's a, it's a powerful also- shot.
0: Also, Sorry. I think the number of corners seemed to me also just because of the way that they were defending Martinelli too. I think a lot of times Martinelli was trying to get through on the left side and wasn't able to, and his best option was just pinging it off of the shin of I, I can't think of the name of the player. I can picture him, but uh, who was who was defending? Oh, one
1: one Basaka was on that yes, side. That,
0: yeah. that that that's him. Uh, um, so he just like uh, ping man. it off of his leg, and okay, it's another corner. <laughs>
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, and, and a lot of that is, yeah, it's not so much even defending Martinelli, it's just you saw United's packing the box, and so they're getting a lot of blocks and, and deflections, um, Yeah, you know, not all of them going out the back line, but a lot of them obviously were, but this one falls to Rice, you know, he has the time to settle it, and it's just a powerful shot, you know, it deflects off a defender, off Onana's hand, and it's in, and it's 2-1 to the Arsenal, and there were people who left early.
0: yes. They showed just, that on the broadcast, walking down the street, <laughs> unaware. I mean, <laughs> I mean, I mean, great. Admittedly, I like I. I'm the kind of guy who's like, listen, I
1: paid a lot of money for whatever tickets I have. I'm staying the whole game. Yeah, and especially also, especially also a game of that, you know, that caliber or whatnot. I mean, you know, do sometimes
0: people have to leave things early for they Okay, yeah, sure, but like, why would you leave? I- I know. Well, it, to me, it comes down to two things. First of all, it's not over till it's over in mm-hmm. just about any sport, right? Until the final whistle is blown in soccer or whatever, whatever marks the, the end of the game in other sports, mm-hmm. until it's actually over, you never know what's going to happen. They, they, there, there might still be exciting things, even if the end result doesn't change. Yeah. Like, what, what are you doing? Like, I, the excuse I've seen before is, oh, well, yeah, I'm going to beat the traffic out of the parking lot. Like, good for you. Like, what, what, are, why, why do you even bother yeah. going in the first place? Which but doesn't apply. But which doesn't apply, by the way, in England because none of them drive there; they all take the they all take all public transport. Well, so, yeah, exactly. The, the, the ones who they them. showed leaving were just like walking down the street, probably to a station. Yeah, yeah. So, 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 yeah. So there's that. But then also, especially in soccer, it, it was a draw. It was tied. All you need is one goal. There one was moment. so much stoppage time left. There was like f- three to four minutes of minimum stoppage time left. And all you need is one goal to change the title of the match. And it's one of the most exciting circumstances in which your team can score. Yeah. So yeah, that, that was nuts. Yeah. And they yeah. ended up missing two goals. <laughs> yeah. Cause then, cause then they came the other way. They, they, I mean,
1: United tried to step it up a little bit there, but, uh, the turnover, the ball came to Fabio Vieira, placed a perfect pass to Gabriel Jesus, goads the defender into a slide, steps around and buries it. And, yeah. uh, it was so nice. Just, just, I mean, you know, you love to see Jesus score. Um, they love to see a score against United. People went nuts. It was just, I think, I think once he broke the other way, someone, someone, oh, yeah. it may have even been me, shout, just shouted like, finish him. Uh, just a great way to <laughs> sort of just, just stick it in at the end. Um, great, great
0: for everyone. Um, <laughs> Oh, yeah. I mean, you could just, it was, you could tell Jesus's skill and confidence level mm-hmm. the way he didn't rush it. He took his time. He did exactly what he needed to do and yeah. no more and no less and just got it done. <laughs> it and even great. that stop.
1: I mean, he's a dead, he's a dead sprint. You know, he's running once he gets the ball. It's like a dead sprint from running on to the pass mm-hmm. uh, to pick, to pick it up. And then he basically stops dime to, to have the defender slide and step so he can step around him and finishes. Yeah. That's that's some quality there. And yeah. if he's if he's feeling healthy. I mean, the one team this thing this team's really been missing is those finishers, a goal scoring. That's what Gabriel Jesus, We, we know this. That's what Gabriel yeah. Jesus can
0: do. Yeah. So then a little coda. It was, it was kind of funny. So. The, the the staff at uh, Peacock or whoever was pushing the buttons in the control room for the video feed, <laughs> they, they were getting a little itchy on the trigger finger and thought that the whistle was blown to end the match. But no, 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 it wasn't. Uh, it was just another foul, like a late foul that was called. Mm-hmm. And they had hit whatever button triggers the sequence to switch the clock up at the top from the time to final and then the score goes away so they can show the post match celebration or whatever they did that and it was still going on and you saw them trying to scramble and bring it back where it came back again for a little bit but it still said final and then it went away and then they brought it back again and finally the game clock showed <laughs> it was just kind of funny yeah. like they don't well, have intre- a, a preset path for, for but i but,
1: but like. i don't I, that wasn't that wasn't just the TV, the broadcast is interesting it looked like i thought i recall arteta goes over to shake 10 hogs hand and oh. then the referee, like the fourth officials, the they're pushing him back because I think a lot of people thought they were, well, I mean, let's Jason two scores. The game's over. Well, yeah. <laughs> I mean, at that point, of the game really arguably you could say they, they probably shouldn't even, they probably should have just ended the game there, but there was this, there were some stoppages. They had to add some injury time. Yeah. It's, it's funny about the injury time. Obviously we know about the World Cup style and adding the time. There was this long tradition of uh, what was called Fergie time, uh, referring hmm. to Sir Alex Ferguson, who was a long time manager at Manchester United and how it seemed like Manchester United oh game, Manchester United games always had a lot of extra time when United were tied or trailing and there was always <laughs> seemed to be just enough time added that they could get the goal they needed to, to tie or win the game huh. um obviously that's not what's happened here and you know we I, we don't want to play too much into conspiracy theories but one <laughs> it play it does play into the sense that like you know the the United manager's complaining about the calls. No one will feel sorry for United for calls going against them, even if he, his complaints were legitimate, which, as we've established, they weren't or they aren't. Even if that was the case, no one's going to feel sorry for Manchester United. Added to that, the added stoppage time that that being where they give up the goal just makes it again when it comes both to goals, it, both goals. Yeah, when it yeah. comes to that, just makes it all a little bit nicer. But uh, yeah, yeah. <laughs> just just it just feels good.
0: Yeah. So um player of the match, you you let me go first last time. You want to go first? I I, I mean obviously I would say this even if he didn't score
1: the game winning goal, it was Declan Rice. He was really yeah. good yesterday. There were there were times where we were a little ragged, a little tentative in different places. Um it, big news pregame Thomas Party was out of the team, out of the lineup altogether. Apparently, he picked up an injury. I think it's a groin injury. Officially, oh, no. it's upper, say upper leg injury. Could be six to eight weeks. Oh, no. Which means Rice is effectively now playing that party role. Now, it took some time to party to grow into that. Is Rice have all the necessary qualities to, to fill that out the same way? I mean, he's a different player. Um, Oh, and by the way, this is the first time you get to do this without party next to you. You get to do it at home against Manchester United. And he right. was excellent. He he I mean, this is the guy we spend 105. We remember Nicholas Pepe was the transfer record? <laughs> we broke it for Declan Rice. Right. Pepe, we've been trying to get rid of Rice. I mean, for four games has been worth every penny. Um yeah. He was really good all game, and, and in a sense, that winning goal was the game-winning goal was sort of the Really, the cap on what what it just was a really good performance for him overall. So oh, to yeah. me, to me, there was no other option. I don't know. Maybe you had no. I a
0: thought that that was my choice. Uh, the, the main thing I'd add is not only did he make the winning goal, but he also assisted. He was the one who passed it to Jesus for the nail in the coffin. After that mm-hmm. one, I believe, right. So I, I thought that was Vieira
1: who actually got the it? final pass in. But Rice, I think, was may have been involved in the build up somewhat. Okay, but even if he wasn't, whatever.
0: I don't remember seeing it, I remember hearing it. I think I thought mm-hmm. I heard the commentators say that I didn't see it on the replay, so that, that may mm-hmm. not be. But no, absolutely, definitely uh, definitely rice this time. So all right, a couple questions about the match. So one thing that I noticed this time. Mm-hmm. I had seen some United players warming up on the sideline near the corner where they were just like doing their stretches mm-hmm. and getting going and ready to get subbed in potentially. And they always wear pennies so that they aren't mistakable for any color of the player on the field. Right. That that all mm-hmm. makes sense. And. Manchester United's equipment sponsor is Adidas, the same as Arsenal's. So I didn't think anything of it like when I saw that Adidas was on the penny and whatever the penny sponsor was, which is separate, I think, from either of their jerseys. Like, oh, okay, I guess they have a separate penny sponsor. And then I saw at least Jorginho and maybe one other Arsenal player wearing the same warm-up pennies, which was weird to me. Are warm-up pennies provided by the host stadium? Or how is it that they both have the same warm-up pennies i have uh, the short answer is i don't
1: have any idea okay. my suspicion <laughs> my my suspicion is they're team supplied because you notice they had adidas on them they're both adidas clubs, right uh but i think i mean you united has always led the way in terms of sponsors so the <laughs> idea that they have a separate sponsor for the warm-up uh penny that seems perfectly plausible to me uh, that they would okay. actually have that so i believe those are going to be team provided
0: okay I'll have to pay attention to.
1: Uh, I doubt strongly they're provided by the stadium. I, if if there's a or if there's a, a third
0: maybe or something, it,
1: like yeah, that. if there's a third party that supplies them, it would be the competition, either the you know the Premier League or something yeah. like that. But if they're manufactured and branded like that, that makes me think it's that it makes me think it's the club that has it. Okay.
0: Well, like with the stanchions, we'll, uh, we'll follow up as as I notice in subsequent matches. We'll, we'll see what, what we can see. I'll uh, do our own reporting here at GoonerU. So uh, the other thing that I wanted to ask about is something that doesn't quite make sense to me. And I wanted to see if you can maybe help me reconcile these two things that seem to be in contradiction. So you've got our left winger, Martinelli. Mm-hmm. You've got our right winger, Sokka, right? I imagine that Saka is probably right foot dominant because you're expecting most of the time he's going to be stronger kicking with his right foot to get it in toward the goal or the middle of the pitch, right? Mm. And conversely, you'd have Martinelli, what you would think would be left foot dominant for the same reason on the other side. But you also have Martinelli doing the left side corner kicks and Saka doing the right side corner kicks where it seems like they'd be using the opposite foot because they're kind of flipped around in the other direction where Saka is going to be using his left foot to get an in swing and which is what they typically do. It seems like most of the time, and Martinelli again likewise is using his right foot to get it swinging in toward the goal. So it seems like you would almost want them to switch unless it's maybe just a matter of convenience that they're already on that side, but that's not always the case. We actually saw Saka on the left side a little bit later in the match helping helping put pressure, but um so what are what are your thoughts there? Any any ideas? Uh well I I I looked it up
1: because I wasn't quite sure I I thought I was sure about this Asaka's dominant foot is actually his left um, okay and there's all kinds of reasons why you choose the side of the the field wingers go down and same with the corners It a lot of it has to as you mentioned not so much the direction they're coming but what they want the ball to do in swinger out swinger um in a lot of cases in I. I've sort of heard some interesting commentary on this, um, especially with the results of, and getting a goal on the, uh, you know, getting our goal on, off a corner, the winning goal, you know, is the goal to like Martinelli seems to send his very low and very close to the, the near post, whereas you saw Odegaard taking the last one goes all the way to the far post. I mean, that part is deliberate as well. So there's all sorts of stuff that plays into who takes corners and mm-hmm. what it means when certain players are, are standing over the ball. Um, that's the short answer, which is to say, I, I don't know why, particularly. There are reasons they're chosen there, and it has to do with their dominant foot, but it right. isn't quite the same thing necessarily as the reason you decide which one goes down which wing. I sort of get what your idea is, but I think, like in Saka's case, he'll go down the right wing, but you'll notice if he gets the chance, he'll cut inside sort of across the top of the box. And from there, his left foot actually makes the most sense. Yeah. So, like, you saw the goal he scored, um, Gosh, I think that was the forest game. Um, He cuts, he comes in, cuts across the box, curls it in with his left. That's really his sort of preferred uh, shot. So in that case, it makes sense that he would be on the right foot or be on the right wing. I think that may be
0: what I got backwards. I looked it up just now, too. And yeah, Martinelli is left foot dominant, too. So um, actually, let me double check. Oh, no, no, never mind. Martinelli's right foot. Martinelli's
1: right. And yeah, so.
0: Yeah. So it is. I think that's. Yeah, that's what. Yeah, I had it backwards. So that's what is probably what I had backwards that the, when you're the left winger, I get, I guess maybe it doesn't even matter <laughs> thinking about it. Like you can shoot with either foot toward the goal when you're on the wing. So, yeah,
1: but you're, you're right. There idea. is something to do with how, where you're cutting in and moving from. Cause yeah, in some cases, it, uh, right. It, instinctually, you know, that cutting in from the, you're down, going down the right wing, your right puts the one on the outside. So it's going to be the one that swings inward. So you can see where that makes sense. But for for a cross, that might make sense. But perhaps for a shot, maybe you'd want to use your left. Um, Yeah. I wasn't a winger. I can't run that much. Yeah.
0: (laughs) All right. So tell me, what's coming up for next week? So coming up for next week,
1: uh, Arsenal gets a break, which, frankly, after the United game, I I think we all need it. Uh, Arsenal will be back uh, the following Sunday. They're going to play at Everton. So we're going to go see Sean Dyche and Goodison Park. Uh, but in the meantime, we're going to hit the international break. Uh, one of the fun things that's coming up this international break is the beginning of World Cup qualifying. Uh-huh. Uh, that's right. Uh, the World Cup is coming, uh, just, just four years from now, 2026, uh, will be here, uh, three years from now, 2026, right here in the U.S., also Canada and Mexico, but here in the U.S. And what I thought would be fun is to sort of expand our focus here. Yes, we're gooners and this is all, this is, you know, the, we're all about the arsenal here. <laughs> but I did think it would be fun to sort of look at not just the World Cup itself, or the World Cup finals, as they're sometimes called, that that final tournament, but really the process of getting there and sort of expanding our perspective on soccer around the world. And so uh, this international break sees the beginning of qualifying for South America. And so what I thought would be fun, and, and Dove seems to think this would be fun too, is we're going to each pick a country – or a, a team from each of the six major confederations that being uh CONCACAF, which is North America, CONMEBOL, which is South America, uh, CAF or CAF, which is Africa, AFC, Asia, UEFA from Europe, and OFC from Oceania, which is all the small islands in the South Pacific. And we're going to follow them through qualifying, uh, one from each continent and sort of see. Uh, how they do and see how how these things go and there's all kinds of reasons why we might pick these teams we can talk about that briefly but um since since i i know a little bit more about this and i have thoughts about many of these countries i'm gonna let dove have the first shot at a south american team that we're gonna watch uh starting this international break
0: well to be clear we're not pitting these we're not pitting our picks against each other right so <laughs> it's it's not not competitive but you're you're I mean, letting I me mean, have i
1: mean I mean, maybe a little, a little competitive, bit. but okay. but but I mean, again, as we said, we're, we've talked about this. We're not necessarily picking from the perspective of, ah, my teams are going to go deeper than yours. This is right. a chance to get a variety of different things we're looking at.
0: It's not a fantasy draft scenario. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. so, so that's good because I feel less guilty in picking Argentina um, <laughs> with how much I'm watching Messi play and... I don't know that he will – I don't know if he's announced, actually, whether or not he's going to play in the next World Cup. I mean, he's at an age where it's foreseeable maybe he wouldn't. It's it's certainly possible he wouldn't. Um, but, you know, he, Argentina won this past time it seems reasonable to see how they do and how they deal with that in the run up to the next world cup i think that would be interesting to follow mm-hmm. so no
1: i think it's i think it's a fair story I, as i understand it he is playing for argentina in this window i don't know if that means he's okay. there in 26 but i believe they said he's playing in this international window so okay um just and just so you you're aware we'll make sure we're checking on this uh, argentina will be home to ecuador and at bolivia Bolivia, of course, being the official unofficial team of Gunnar U. Shout out La Verde. Um,
0: but <laughs> the that's patron not country. To. Yes.
1: <laughs> uh, but uh, so you will take Argentina. I am going to take Colombia. Uh, they're a fun team. They're usually sort of on that, uh, you know, kind, sometimes qualify, sometimes not level as far as South America goes. Plus, I know some people who are Colombians and they have very delicious meats, uh, <laughs> which is uh, always a. Uh, Always an added bonus. And, uh, and so, they have Shakira, uh, right? <laughs> uh, yes, that's right. She is also <laughs> Colombian. Um, that's not why, but, you know, I'll take it. Um, the uh, Los Cafeteros, as they are known, will be playing home to Venezuela and then will be away to Chile in this uh, window for the international break. So we'll add countries as we go along, right. as we add continents as they begin qualifying. But we thought South America was a good place to start since they're starting this week. So. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Cool. So yeah, so uh, look for those updates, dear listener, dear viewer. All right. So you said international break this week, and then following Sunday we'll be at Everton. At Everton. All right. Well, thanks for joining us at Gooner We're on Apple Podcasts and Spotify and some other places, and we appreciate you subscribing to our show and sharing it with friends. If you're watching on YouTube, and we certainly recommend you do, please like and subscribe. To support the show even more, you can become a Gooner super fan for ad-free episodes as well as raw, unedited recordings, bootlegs, if you will, that are available the night we record. It's only a dollar a month, and there's a link to join in the show notes or description. You can follow our show on Twitter at Show for updates and to ask questions. You can also use our special link to save 30% off your first month of any Zencaster paid plan with code Gunner at checkout. You can follow our show on Twitter at Show for updates and to ask questions. Again, my name is Dove, and you can find me on Twitter at Dove Frankel. With me, as always, is Keith, and you can find him in a pub watching Arsenal matches. Go, you Gunners.